You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Howdy. How's everybody doing? All right. And Greg Hectus. I'm back. All right. On today's show, we'll recap the iRacing Coke Series All-Star Race at Nashville and talk next-gen racing with the voice of eNASCAR Evan Pasoka. We'll check out the evolution of NASCAR video games from Race Hub and where did we see iRacing in real-world victory lanes. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products we'll be discussing by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. Hope to see you there. GridFinder 2.0 is bigger and better than ever with more ways to narrow your search for the next sim racing league. Featuring over 1,000 leaks from over 25 racing sims across every platform, your place on the grid is just a couple clicks away. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own. GridFinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder.com First time winner, Ashton Crowder, final time at a turn four to his first win in the eNASCAR peak in And the Monster Mile in 2020 is tamed by Nick Garillo. Going to look to the bottom. It is not going to be enough. And Ryan Luza is going to go back to back. He steals the win at Thunder Valley. Welcome, the voice of iRacing, Evan Pasoko. And welcome, Evan Pasoko. Welcome back. Thanks. Uh, I, I was just saying I'm kind of bummed that I've missed so many of these shows. So happy to be uh, joining you guys again to recap what was a pretty exciting all-star race night. It was a, a non-points race, uh, next-gen car at Nashville. Um, my overall impressions are it, the racing was pretty good, even though I don't like the car the way it races, if that makes sense. Now, one of your drivers, one of the drivers mentioned that uh, they didn't like the, the way the car raced either, but I think the product came out pretty good. Yeah, I think that, you know, my standpoint on that would be um, on the principle of it. Um, I'm a fan of cars that are hard to drive, right? Um, I enjoy, uh, you know, the high horsepower, lower downforce where drivers really got to work. But I think I can also admit that well, I would prefer the racing to be difficult and the cars be hard to drive. And sometimes that means the cars are spread out. Um, the way that the next gen cars drive on those intermediate tracks on the sim um, is pretty exciting. Um, you know, we've we've always done different things with this all star race. Last year, it was the trucks uh, at North Wilkesboro. And uh, this year, got to break out the next gen cars at Nashville. So, um, I mean, it was crazy, right? When drivers wanted to take it easy, like they did at the start of the uh, the 60 lap feature for the all star. It was normal, uh, but in the open, um, towards the end of the all-star race, I mean, because everybody's so close, um, that it does kind of look like a, nearly a super speedway race, and uh, I'll admit, uh, it was exciting, and I think, especially for an all-star, right, for an exhibition, all you care about is is the race being exciting, and I certainly think it was. Yeah, and it started out before the race where uh, 
the format was announced, but I think more importantly, uh, who are we adding to the race that we didn't expect? And it was uh, our 2020 race winners that are not in the series, Colin Keister and Brandon Cattell, as well as past champions, Richard Towler and Kenny Humpy. Now, man, I haven't heard the name Kenny Humpy in a long time. And when I heard that name, man, I was excited, man. I was thinking, well, I want to see him get out there and whip those boys. Yeah, I was really hoping uh, that they would make it into show um, and I think uh, we just missed out on on Taller Racing, and you know that's a name that goes all the way back to uh, 2010. Um, before you know, I even watched the series before the series even had live broadcasts every week, and uh, it would have been cool to see him in. He missed an alarm and slept through it, so I think that's why he missed racing. And I guess Kenny wasn't able to make it, but you know that's a, a throwback for me back to 2015. Um, right when I started getting involved in the series and whatnot. So uh, it would have been cool to see those guys, but it was fun to get um, some of last year's drivers back. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Cattell and uh, you mentioned Keister as well. Fun to see those guys get back in. Um, obviously, they're trying to requalify for this series. Um, so I, I, I know I kind of, uh, me and Brandon joke around on, on the broadcast sometimes that he's washed up and retired. But uh, he did pretty good later on in the night. But I think uh, that it was a pretty fun format too, which uh, contributed to why it was such a good night. Yeah, he led some laps, was, was looking respectable there. Uh, yeah, I mean, Kenny Humpy, for the new viewers, Evan, I mean, I, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you know his stats? I mean, went, back in the day, he was the man to beat. Oh, he is, and I think still, um, I would consider uh, one of the best in the series, right? I mean, you're talking about a guy that not only won a championship, I mean, there's so many drivers who have had a lot of success, right? But they don't get that title. Uh, Kenny got it uh, in the 2015 season. I mean, he was so good. Uh, he won like four or five races, I think, that year. He's a top five driver all times on the win list. I think he's one of only five guys that are, are double digits in the win column. Uh, so Kenny's certainly a legend uh, in the series, not to date him at all. And he competed for a long time, right? For Richard Taller, for comparison, because I was looking at some of their stats, uh, you know, Richard Taller was a four-time winner across 37 starts. And he raced from 2010 to 2012. Kenny Huppy had a really long career, right? 64 starts across uh, 2013 through 2018. So we had a lot of part-time-ish schedules in there when the qualifying format was a little bit different. Uh, but but he is still one of the best of the best. And I would love maybe for an all-star race idea if somehow we could get all of the past champions. Most of them are still running, right? Ottinger's running, Novak's running, Ray is, Luza, Conti is. But if we could get Kenny, T. Hud, and, and Taller in a race, I think that'd be a fun all-star race yeah. idea one year. Just all the champions doing a little sprint. But yeah, Kenny's Kenny's one of the best. I love it. It got me excited for sure. So let's talk the open race first. Top two only advanced. Uh, it was an early mo uh, moment for Lions and Jake Nichols. They gathered up, but neither in the transfer spot as they run. Blade Whip scoops, scoots by for P3. And by lap 11, Femi Olap tags the outside wall. By 15, it was Mains, Whip, Hurst, Wilson, Ray, uh, Jay Nichols, uh, Reynolds, and Matheson up front. And this goes to the point that I made off the top, right? Um, in a sprint like that, um, of course, with the yellow flags off, um, knowing that an incident will just end your night, essentially, um, these drivers knew they had to work hard. And I honestly thought 
you know, yeah, these cars are racy, um, but I thought track position was going to be much bigger of a factor than it was. I didn't think in a 40 lap sprint, tires were going to be that big of a deal. Um, and we'll talk about it when we get to the end of this open, but by all these guys racing each other so hard at the halfway point of this race, it ended up hurting a lot of them on the back end. Yeah, lap 20, halfway into the open. It was Garrett Maines and Stephen Wilson holding the transfer spots at the time being. Wilson made a bold move. Uh, I think he got two guys at once with a slight job. And, and things were getting desperate at this point. Uh, and, and they were really ra racing with the competition yellow only a few laps away. Lap 24, it was a battle for the lead. Garrett Maines, Stephen Wilson, and uh, Wilson took it. It's fun to see, uh, you know, Garrett's had a lot of real good runs and, and Steven Wilson has too, but you know, you mentioned Femi a little bit earlier, Blade Wit, some of those guys. Um, when you take out all of the race winners over the course of the last two seasons, um, it's basically all the non-playoff guys racing, right? And I think that it's awesome to see those guys to be able to be up there and be competitive um, and and put on a show, right? I think that the uh, benefit of this All-Star was, was having that open format to try to let these guys race in. But we had like 21 cars or something in it. And with only the top two uh, getting in, I mean... You know, Garrett and, and Wilson and these guys, you know, if Garrett's in second place, he's not happy with P2, right? Because he can get swallowed up pretty quick from behind. So in a lot of races where we have a cut line, um, typically, even if you're the guy in the bubble or just above it, uh, you know, you're happy with where you are. But uh, they were fighting for the lead harder sometimes than they were for behind. And sometimes in the case of Garrett and Wilson, I mean, they fought each other for so long that it actually kind of slowed each other down and allowed the rest of the field to, to stay close to them. Yeah, so with a restart with 11 to go, uh, they were scrapping hard for a second. It was uh, great racing, three wide. Uh, the top five were literally going for it. But the strategy was Busa was coming. And we found out after the race that Matt had uh, not gone full throttle at all up until this point on, the, on track, been saving those tires. It's so impressive, right? Because um, the way these cars drive are to be driven full throttle. Um, so much discipline, and, and that goes back to what I alluded to earlier. I didn't think that over 40 laps at a place like Nashville, it, you were going to have that tire degradation. Um, but clearly, um, Busa had done some practice and, and kind of did the, the thought ahead. I don't know if he had intentionally qualified where he was to implement that strategy, um, or if it was a decision, hey, I'm a little bit further back. This is where we need to go. But, I mean, he was ridiculous uh, in that second run, just slicing through the field and uh, kind of just uh, caught everybody off guard, I think, with how well that strategy worked by saving those tires. Yeah, six to go. Busa took second from Hurst. Four to go. Uh, he takes the lead, uh, and then he wins the Open. Uh <clears throat> Michael Guest also advanced, uh, and I think Guest was saving tires as well. Um, and it, so at the end, uh, it, it also was Zach Nichols, Bose, and Duvall who didn't make the cut. Uh, I think Dylan Duvall was also coming. Uh, he saved tires. I think the number was something like the top four finishers or something all started outside of the top 15, like in the actual, at the start of the race. Uh, so that's pretty crazy. Uh, the fact that it was in a sprint race, you would expect the guys up front to be the strongest, right? It's not like the leaders had a 20-car pileup, and that's why the guys at the back won. Um, they just outsmarted them. 
Um, and typically in an all-star, you don't go into a race with the mentality that I'm going to be real strategic about this, right? You're like, oh, I'm just going to go out there, race, and have fun. And I, I bet you the guys who were, you know, going all over the place in the top five in the first half of the race had a ton of fun. Uh, but at the end of the race, they just didn't have the grip to stay up there and uh, ended up missing out on the show. And it's uh, it's Busa and uh, guests who who make the advancement on to the, to the big show. Yeah, and those sets of people exchanging spots, literally on the track, made for great racing. It was it was fun. Uh, now on to the All Star race. Uh, Ray Alfala and Jimmy Mullis start from the front row after the ten car invert. Lap four, it was trouble. Ashton Crowder is on his lid. Uh, Mitchell DeYoung and others are involved. There's no cautions in this uh, All Star heat race, which I I found fascinating. Uh, it was a quiet start. Alfala and Logan gapped the field. Uh, and then eventually, new leader in the heat, Logan Clampett. Yeah, I'm always a fan of the dropping the yellows, right? So in the, uh, I don't know if you want to call it, it's almost like the F1 sprint qualifying format, right? We qualify and then there's a sprint race to set the actual grid because uh, we didn't eliminate anybody through this heat. Everybody advanced from the 40 lap heat to the 60 lap feature. It was just an additional bit of drama with that top 10 invert. And, and Ray was doing pretty good uh, up at the front of the field. Really our first big incident when you had Crowder and DeYoung getting uh, together and uh, Ashton, unfortunately, up and on his lid. He seems to have a knack for that uh, for whatever reason. Um, I don't think it's something that you would ever want to implement in normal points pain races, the lack of yellows. Uh, but I think for exhibitions like this, not having automatic full course cautions is is good. Um, because obviously in real life, the whole point of a yellow, if there's a big incident is driver safety, right in the sim, it's not an issue. So unless the cars are still going to be blocking the track when the leaders come by, it's not a problem. So I like that for this format. And I would almost uh, like to see maybe in the future with this series, um, that we move to, uh, admin and race controlled cautions, um, instead of the automatic eye racing ones, because I'd say somewhere like, I don't know, 10 to 20% of the yellows are like a car getting sideways and a yellow comes out, even though they save it. Um, and I think it'd be, it'd be fun to be able to eliminate those, um, in regular points pain races that has nothing to do with the heat. Just, just a random thought on, on yellows while we're talking about it. Yeah, and at that point, it was Clampett, Ray, Afala, Luza third, Bolin, Mullis, 15 to go. Uh, Ryan Luza breaks loose after contact. He saves it. Uh, eight to go. Alfala just totally fades away. Uh, he ran his tires off, I guess. But, of course, last lap fireworks, uh, Graham Bolin actually steals the heat win away from Logan Clampett in the closing laps. And sets himself up um, for a good position. Nick Ottinger gets up there as well um, on a front row position. Um, and... Now the the field is set for the 60 lap feature where the strategy gets a little bit more complicated. So looking forward um, to the feature race uh, for this all-star, um, we would have two competition cautions. Um, once the leader takes lap 20 and once the leader took lap 45, no yellows for incidents, but they did have an additional tire set headed into this feature. So that's where we thought that the strategy might change a little bit and um, I think uh, that it, it turned out to be a pretty good uh, feature race as well um, with somebody like a Graham Bolin, an opportunity to to get up front. But once we start that feature race for the 60 laps, um, everybody, I think, having learned from the open is taking it easy. And uh, all of a sudden, it's the Brandon Cattell show. Right. And so the green flag there, Graham Bolin and Nick Ottinger lead the field uh, there. Um Lap six, Brandon Cantell has climbed up to second. Now, what was interesting, too, Evan, is 
you guys did something different where we were literally talking to the drivers under green fly conditions. And so uh, you guys are trying to interview Brandon and he's like uh, struggling to hold the car. You know, you can kind of hear it in his voice, but uh, while he's trying to talk as well, but uh, he speculated during that interview, Hey, everyone's saving tires and I'm just going to go. And sure enough, he ended up at the front there. Yeah. He drove right through him. And I think, uh, his spotter was a little bit shy to spot for him because we were talking to him. Um, so he didn't get much spotting either. So apologies to those guys. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, I always joking. It's a bit of SRX flavor, right? Exhibition race. Why not talk to these guys during green and to the driver's credit? Um, they were all uh, super down to do it. Um, when we brought it up, uh, they were all hundred percent on board. And uh, we did that basically all night long. My favorite part is when we would get the, uh, the teammate duos, into the booth at the same time under green. So uh, not something that I would probably do in a points paying race. Uh, but like I said, for events like this, you got to have some fun. And uh, I will say thanks to the drivers because two, three years ago, I think they say no, right? Um, the drivers used to be a lot more guarded um, during these races, um, but but kudos to them for being on board. I think it made it real fun. It did. And so uh, Brandon Cattell was leading, and then lap 20, the uh, competition caution, uh, 13 drivers stayed out under this yellow. Of the eight that pitted, uh, it was split on fuel only, two tires, or taking the full set. So we had a, a complete mix of strategy here. Yeah, this is where the tires come into play, right? Um, yes, the tires um, are, are good and it's an advantage, but I think looking at the format, I even said right off of the top, and I'm not a, a crew chief for anything, but I said I, th I think the winning call has to be um, the four tires at the end. Uh, but credit to to guys uh, like Cattell and some of those other, I think we had like four or five of them decide to come in and do left side tires only. Um, so obviously that would cut your pit stop time in half uh, on the second yellow, um, why not? Right. I mean, uh, especially for somebody like Cattell who kind of acknowledged, Hey, I'm burning up my tires now, um, that he needed to try to mix things up. And, and I always thought the four tire call just at the end was going to be the way to go, but, uh, credit to those who, who wanted to mix it up a little bit. I think it wouldn't have been quite as exciting if everybody decided to, to stay out. So we did have some gamblers in the field. Yep, it was Graham and Mullis leading uh, the restart, and then it was big trouble. Chris Shearburn, Bobby Zelensky, Ryan Luza, Logan Clampett, Colin Keister, and others crash, and of course, the no caution. Uh, so we keep on rolling, and uh, by lap 31, new leader, it's Jimmy Mullis to the top spot. Yeah, poor Shearburn was like 400 feet in the air or something uh, at a turn four. And and then, yeah, it's the, the Richmond Raceway guys. Um, you know, Mullis up there, Novak uh, had been up and in contention as well. They were running towards the front of the field. Um, and this is where drivers started to position themselves, right? Uh, this whole second stint of the feature, nobody really was taking it quite as easy as they did uh, in the first run. And maybe that's why it made it a little bit more difficult for the drivers who did have that slight advantage um, of taking the left sides only. They were hoping to get, I think, some track position on that run. That way, coupled with the shorter pit stop on the second yellow, they'd be the control cars um, for the restart. But because the guys up front weren't taking it easy like they did on the first stint, it made it a lot harder for those guys because everybody knew for all the drivers who hadn't pitted, right? Uh, Graham Boland, Jimmy Mullins, uh, and, and all the other guys up towards the front of the field, they knew that probably your positioning headed into that final pit stop was going to be pretty critical. So um, they raced real hard in that second stint. Yep, and they sure did. Up Coming up to the second competition caution, lap 45, they were literally three wide coming to the line for the end of that segment. Uh, Casey Kerwin nabbed it. Um, 
and they come into the green here. It was Bob Bryant uh, who leads them on the older tires, and it was trouble for uh, Casey Kerwin right after that. Logan Clampett, Ray Alfala, and more crash. And then seven to go, Brandon Gattel, he gets sent to the outside wall. Uh, he had a pretty good run going, uh, but it was Vincent Mullis, uh, guest, uh, they get by Bryant. Yeah, they've got the the advantage to the end of this race, and at this point, it's no holds barred. Uh, Cattell's getting hip-checked. Uh, we're stacking up. You mentioned Kerwin, Clampett, O'Fallon, and Amore on the restart, and uh, this is where, as Corey Vincent goes uh, to the race lead with five laps to go, uh, where everyone's going 110%. And I would not have been shocked if we wanted up all 10 of them uh, in the end of this race. Um, and then, of course, uh, Jimmy Mullis follows Corey Vincent through, and, and those end up being the two that'll fight to the end. And what a battle. Uh, so Corey Vincent is the leader at five to go. It was side-by-side side on the white, um, but Corey Vincent and Jimmy Mullis even given contact uh, but it's Mullis who takes it home, and he becomes the all-star champion, uh, winning $3,500. Uh, Corey took home uh, $1,500, and Michael Guest third uh, $500 prize. Yeah, Tim joked uh, earlier in the show um, that you know the difference between first and second uh, is a, a cool uh, $2,500. So maybe that's worth putting a bumper to somebody on. And um, I don't think that the there's been a lot of discussion, I think, as well, um, on Twitter about uh, the contact that I know some people weren't really happy with Jimmy and, and how that went down. I, I think those guys just went into the corner side by side, uh, knowing that they needed to be in the middle of the racetrack to have the optimum line to turn one. And they touched, um, I don't think, um, Jimmy did anything wrong there, but it moved, uh, um, you know, up the hill enough to, to kind of put Corey Vincent on the back foot and, Corey didn't let him get away with it, right? I mean, if you're going to be upset about the the Mullis hit, then then Corey gave it right back to him. Uh, hit him square on the bumper in three, moved him up a little bit, but uh, I think Jimmy knew it was coming to back the corner up a little bit more, so we didn't end up uh, kind of in the weeds, and um, Jimmy ends up hanging on to, to win the All-Star race. Uh, pretty exciting stuff and, and a thrilling end. You know, it, to me, it was typical NASCAR finish. Yeah, NASCAR is a full-contact sport, and especially at the end like this, and these guys did it fairly respectfully. You know, they didn't take each other out kind of thing. It was rubbing his racing. I, like you said, I, I don't think Jimmy meant it uh, initially, um, but it was okay because, uh, you know, Corey didn't completely wreck either. But really f great TV moment having the camera on both drivers as we watch them on track battle for the win. Uh, you know, with Jimmy doing his, you know, signature lean into the corner, uh, Corey Vincent you know, cool as a cucumber. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've some of the most memorable moments we've seen um, in this series is, um, you know, the, the finales and, and, you know, <clears throat> Novak coming across the finish line. Um, and some of these other guys, you know, uh, Ottinger last year where we have the cameras and you see the emotion, right? Uh, that's the only thing that's going to um, grow these races beyond, um, you know, your iRacing audience. Um, is showing that there's stakes, um, especially when you got money on the line and in terms of the 300000 dollars in the championship perth this year, in terms of the money on the line um, in the all-star race on Tuesday night, and that emotion, right? You need to have a connection with the with the people driving because um, otherwise you could just make an AI race and broadcast it. So I think that 
um, the access to the drivers, um, I think, has been the biggest step in the right direction for these shows over the last few seasons. And, um, you know, right on cue, every time Jimmy wins, the dog of the family come in to congratulate him. So that's always fun. Yeah, it was a great race. Uh, I was entertained for sure. Um, I was not expecting a lot because of the next gen car and it's current reputation in the industry but it, i think you know as, as a fan watching it from above or like on tv it, the product came out pretty good so um these guys uh, raced their tails off you could tell and it really uh, showed through yeah i think that i have the same opinion there's a lot of drivers who and this goes back to what i said at the very beginning um who on the uh kind of basis or, or on the, um, you know, kind of the grounds of it all would prefer a car that's fast, that you need a lift, that slips, that slides, that you got to counter steer and, and almost steer it with the throttle. That's fine on principle. Um, but it did put on a good show. Um, you know, in if this is what the next-gen car is like for next year, of course, I, I have a feeling there's going to be some physics tweaks in that uh, in between now and, you know, when we're actually racing this car next year because it's never seen a real racetrack. Uh, in real life, right, in, in a full-size field. So um, we don't know how close this is. I'm assuming it's pretty good because NASCAR and iRacing have shared a ton of data to get this car out there. But if this is what the racing is like, it'll be exciting. Um, I think it's also going to change how you have to approach these races because uh, we saw it when drivers wanted to drive hard. Uh, it was chaos. And I'm not sure if you can sustain that much chaos for a 200, 250-mile race consistently. Um, so it's going to be a different kind of racing. But, you know, uh, in my in my league on, on RSR on Mondays, we did our all-star race, next-gen cars at Twin Ring Motegi. Great race. Um, multiple lanes were options. Drivers could slip and slide. So um, despite when you think on the principle of it, which is a totally fair argument, um, I think that we have to admit that uh, it has produced a lot of exciting racing already. Yeah, I'm sure Tim Clark is smiling after watching that. Um, I've given him a hard time about the, the, the package on the new car. So I, I have to uh, give him a shout out. I, I think the racing was pretty good. It was. It's exciting, and um, it'll be interesting to see how close this is, um, you know, to, to how they race when we race for a championship in 2022. All right. So looking forward to the future, what's the next uh, points race? Yeah, well, we have uh, – obviously, we're, we're at the end of the season. Um, so this is, uh, this is kind of the push. Um, we'll be back next week, so you don't have to wait any time until we return from Watkins Glen. Um, the big story there, of course, Mitchell DeYoung has been so strong on the road courses. Um, and then, of course, we're watching the battle um, around the cut line. Um, for the championship, right? Uh, courtesy of the race win at New Hampshire the week before, Jimmy Mullist goes into the championship. That drops, um, you know, Chris Shearburn down to the bubble spot, but he's only 19th in points. And, and you heard Chris say it on the All-Star broadcast. There's a chance that Chris still drops out. Ray Fala, I think, um, is too far back. I don't know if it's too early to call it, but, but Ray just has not had the speed on the road courses this year. The road courses have never been something... Um, that Ray has been, you know, a top uh, car at since, uh, you know, maybe maybe way back when he had a little bit more speed. But, he, you know, he doesn't have any road course wins. He's been in the 20s, high 20s, low 30s. Uh, and 25th of points, I think Ray uh, doesn't make it. I think it's too late for Ray, which is is tough to see. But the story is going to be Chris Shearburn. Because if Chris Shearburn drops out, Graham Boland would be the driver to go in. Boland is the highest driver 
in the points without a win. Imagine being Graham Boland, second overall in the points and not making the playoffs, right? But that's what this this win in you're in gets. So uh, it'll certainly be an exciting couple of weeks, and I hope that everybody tunes in um, for that Watkins Glen race on August the 3rd um, because we will have some exciting additions to our broadcast team, um, which I'm happy to tease about but not give all away um, entirely yet. And then, of course, uh, two weeks after that will be the regular season finale at Michigan. So uh, it is going to be an intense final few weeks and, and hope everybody continues to to tune in and enjoy the action as much as we are. Yeah, you know, with all the point stuff going on, it's going to be fascinating to watch. I mean, Graham Boland is literally strutting. I mean, he won that heat race and he didn't even flinch. I mean, not even a smile. He was all business. And so he knows what's going on. Uh, and then, of course, to watch the Bobby and Mitchell show, I'm excited. So uh, we'll see you then. Yeah, there's, it's going to be exciting because if Graham wins a race, then it doesn't matter what Chris Sherburn does, right? He's 19th in the points. He is the lowest driver uh, qualified in with a win, right? Top 20. He'd get bumped. Loses 15th. What if he gets to the border, right? What if you have a Nick Ottinger win, a Casey Kerwin, a Corey Vincent, a Michael Guest? I mean, any of these guys who are top 10 in normal points, if they win, it boots everybody down the line. So one race win, Mullis, Luza, Sherburn are not safe. Um, so there's a lot of high stakes and uh, excited to get back at it on Tuesday. All right, Evan Pasoko. Hey, thanks for coming. Appreciate you guys. All right, guys, let's jump into topics now. Uh, so uh, first up is uh, Tuesday night on NASCAR Race Hub on the uh, Fox Sport One channel. They aired a segment called the NASCAR Cade exploring the evolution history of nascar video games so uh it, it goes all the way back to the very earliest iterations of nascar in video games all the way up to you know what we do now uh in uh, iRacing. so uh i'll be honest with you i set my recorder to record this because i was really looking forward to watching it and for some reason it didn't record so i didn't get to see it i'm trying i've been trying for a little while to find uh online versions of it but i haven't found it yet so uh any guys check it out yet i have not i also did not see it i expected to be able to find it on the fox sports app uh to watch after just like everything else that's on fox sports and uh, it's just not there i went and looked um so i'm a little disappointed about that i don't know why it wouldn't be in a regular rotation like everything else, uh, but it isn't. And so, yeah, put it up, and we were happy to watch it. The, the commercial that we saw on Twitter uh, and on social media and other places, uh, it, it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it really I got, sorry, Brian, I haven't had a chance to watch this either because obviously here in Canada, we don't get the race hub, so I wouldn't have been able to watch it. Um, I'd have to watch it secondhand, and if you're – we can't find it yet. You think it would be like YouTube or something right now? Well, maybe I'm missing something, but uh, pr pretty neat idea. I'm gonna have to check it out. Um, so more to come on that one. We'll talk about it next week. Yeah, we we uh, we first started talking about this in our, our group chat um, at the end of last week, and I was dying to see this. I set it. I set my recorder right away. Um, I really wanted to check this out, but so hopefully I will find a place for it. We'll. Um, We'll make a note of it next week if uh, if we find it and let you guys know where you can watch it if you miss it as well. So uh, keep stay tuned next week, and we'll try to get that squared away for you. And who's the most famous driver on iRacing? Well, that's hard to say. I mean, I mean, probably one of the most precedent ones that we kind of follow uh, whenever there's an endurance race coming up 
uh, is Max Verstappen here, and he posted on his uh, Twitter account, uh, you know, his participation in the uh, 24 Hours of Spa uh, last weekend um, for with Team uh, Redline Sim. And uh, I, I don't know, is there a thing here posting how they did? Um, I, I was trying to find something here quickly, but uh, he was posting that he's back in his rig. Um, I guess after a long, uh, little bit of time off, probably recovering from being sore in his 51G crash. So the, the team did post on their Instagram they finished first in one car, fifth in the other. But it wasn't clear which car he was in. They didn't list which drivers were which, and it wasn't clear to me. But I think he was on the winning car. I, I do have to say, I love his setup from what he's posted here on his uh, in his uh, Twitter page. The cube control wheel, yeah. I mean, uh, that one is really, you know, and Norris has that as well. And he probably got that idea to get that from Norris. But he's got a tubular cockpit. Now, this is a guy that has plenty of money. He could have any kind of cockpit he wants. In fact, he, he probably has cockpit builders trying to give him cockpits, I would imagine. But why why this one, guys? What do you think? Well, it's a play seat too, right? So yeah. I know that uh, maybe maybe it is a sponsor or something that they work with. Sponsorship. Maybe he's just obligated to run it. I'm not sure if anybody you know has that information. It'd be interesting to know. But uh, I mean, maybe he likes it simple too, right? We don't. Not all people because they're famous and have money and want the most elaborate things either it throws me off when i see his feet up so high uh the pedals up so high but I, I, yeah that's <laughs> normal i guess like a sleeping bag crawl into that thing especially when you're uh, as successful as he's been and uh on his way this year i mean he's got a tough wit road ahead of him here but he's on his way to trying to secure an f1 championship all right next up uh we have an announcement uh, that the DanLisa.com uh, league scoring website, uh, or formerly known as, is now SimRacerHub.com. And the new owner is uh, somebody named Clinton Sneed. And uh, he posted in uh, somewhere in Discord, and I got a screenshot of it, but he said, Hello, everyone. My name is Clinton, and I'm proud to be the owner of SimRacerHub.com, formerly the Dan Lisa scoring site. I appreciate all the hard work that Dan has put in over the years to get this website and community to where it is today. And I hope to carry that into the future with more features and abilities. Anytime we add something new, I'll be sure to post it here. Happy racing. And uh, the next thing he posted, which is uh, very important for people who are actually running leagues and using uh, the Dan Lisa service, is that that due to the change in the no domain name from danlisa.com to simracerhub.com, you'll want to update any links that you may be using, like uh, your bookmarks or iframes or buttons, etc. All directories have been retained, so you'll actually still be able to pull all the uh, data that you had on Dan Lisa. Just You just have to change that URL to the Sim Racer Hub, and you'll have access to everything that you had uh, access to before in the Dan Lisa site. So that's really cool that they were able to, to make this uh, changeover fairly seamlessly, and you know you won't lose all that information, all those uh, results and stuff that you've been using Dan Lisa for for years. Yeah, and uh, I pulled up a link to uh, simracerhub.com on the fast track sim racing series that we run on monday night here and it's got our uh points all uh, listed here and how we ran and and whatnot and this, this is a pretty cool website um no there's no indication that he's going to start charging anybody anything so that's also good news yeah 
Yeah, so um, I did a couple OBRL races this week and um, went through the, uh, they had been using Dan Lisa and uh, noticed that the uh, results had like uh, interruption for the past couple of weeks. So I guess um, Steve or whoever's taking care of that in the OBRL, uh, now he, now he, he's going to know how to uh, switch that over, get all those, um, get all those updates done and uh, get the uh, results and everything back online for the OBRL. I think it's pretty cool how this site actually works with, you know, just finding, just going through some of the data here quickly that you uh, had posted here, Mike, with this or showing for the fast track uh, racing league. And I just like how it tells you, it tells you even how long the race and everything was in, in duration and stuff too. And conditions and yeah, all the important stuff, right? Nine lead changes, five different leaders who led a lapse, uh, you know, who led the most, <laughs> And you can't get that on the iRacing website. You know, you can't just quickly look and see that, you know, written out like that. No, it's not simple to get. When you're trying to do stuff in the on the iRacing site, it's you have to be going to look for it, right? Now, this website's for drivers, not just league owners. Um, so if you're an iRacing driver and you're in a league or, have, or participate in a league, go to this website and look up your name, and you'll see all the, your races and how you did, and you can see all this information. Yeah, so uh, a big shout out to Clinton for uh, keeping up with this uh, this website, yeah, this awesome service. Job. Um, good job, and I hope he does a great job um, taking over. Well, speaking of doing a great job, um, looks like iRacing is going is back in the winter circles in the real real world tracks. Uh, Josh Berry in his iRacing sponsored number eight late model for JR Motorsports. He went to victory lane in the 13th annual Hampton Heat 200 at Langley Speedway. Yeah, and Ty Majewski got one this week, too, in the Larry Detjens Memorial 125 uh, in Wisconsin on a hot summer night. Yeah, and that was in his uh, ARCA Midwest series that he's uh, he's running in. So uh, it's an ARCA win for Ty Majewski. Uh, congratulations to both those guys. They're both racing iRacing's paint schemes. And, uh, yeah, it's awesome. Love it. We need a cup car. We need a NASCAR cup car uh, sponsorship with iRacing on it. I mean, who who should it be? Anthony Alfredo, perhaps? Someone that it probably could have been up until last uh, last year. I was thinking someone like Larson would have been a, a key to get it, something like that. I'm sure Rick Hendrick would love to stop spending his own money on Larson and, and have a proper sponsorship. So I'm... Well... That, which is weird because he chose for next season to spend his own money for the whole season on his on that car and his dirt program. You don't think if somebody wrote him a big check, that wouldn't change? Well, I mean, anybody can come along at any time, right? Money, money always talks. Well, talking about money talks, this ne- next subject, uh, money does talk. So let's talk about it. Off will just be as a reminder. Um, that we have the four hours of Charlotte to benefit MS, uh, MS society. Um, so I guess to try and help boost and participation, Steve Meyer posted on his uh, Twitter account um, that he would like to see the community step up and support uh, the, fu- the fundraising this Saturday in, uh, in the, in, in iRacing uh, four hours at Charlotte. So for the right price, I will choose questions to, answer from the thread during the broadcast if you show proof of a donation. So not sure why you put you Saturday. I think it's Friday night. So if, so if you really want to know something, can you if you get a good donation, do you think you can get them to drop a bomb? Well, and that's exactly what happened. So I followed this Twitter thread carefully, 
and he indicated right off the bat he's going to talk about rain, but it's going to cost us. And so some of the people were going to pool their money together to get him to talk about rain. And uh, Steve Lavender from Trading Paints was one of them who put up a hundred bucks, I believe, towards it. And there were others. Um, but then uh, the other one who did it as well was none other than Dale Earnhardt Jr. And uh, he he put up that he made a donation to Multiple Scler- Sclerosis uh, Society, uh, you know, for the charity uh, in honor of Steve Myers. If he would go ahead and scan and release the 1987 Buick LeSabre. So he need, they need to find this uh, a car and get it scanned then, eh? It wouldn't take much for them to do it. So Steve Meyer says, a Buick will join us as soon as you can find one for us to scan. Now, if you follow this thread, there's some gold in there, some f- photos from the past and, and people uh, telling, telling exactly where to find these cars. Uh, they're in museums around the southeast, uh, typically, it looks like. Uh, there's several people that have them. And uh, there's pictures, too, of the cars as well. So they're available to be scanned. That's not going to be a problem. Uh, I'm sure Dale Earnhardt can take his pick. And I bet he has one in mind already, or he wouldn't even have said the name out loud. I'm pretty sure he's got some friends that have one. I'm sure, like, like if you think, if you listen to uh, some of the times when he talks about, uh, you know, Ray Everingham, how many cars he's got stored in places, old cars and stuff like that. So who knows who has one of these, right? I'm looking at the replies now. Justin Prince, who's a, an esports announcer, he put up a, a link to bringatrailer.com and they have a 1986 Buick LeSabre NASCAR race car for sale uh, it, it, with Miller High Life, it looks like paint job. And uh, it, he's got a picture of it and everything. So um, there's one for sale. And then here's Stan Hosman said, um, the museum at the Talladega Motorsports Hall of Fame has one in the museum. And it's also a Miller uh, paint job as well. If you remember a few shows ago, we had a, a poll as to what next 87 car to bring in. So I guess uh, Junior has made his choice. He wants the Buick. I was gonna say he looks like he's trumping. Uh, even if the poll wasn't that way, he's <laughs> gonna right. trump it. I, I don't think Buick won the poll. To be honest, wasn't it Pontiac? No, it was it was Petty's car. Yeah. So maybe someone should donate whatever Junior donated and say, "Okay, Pontiac too." <laughs> I'm sure being the director of iRacing has something to do with it too. But it's pretty neat that we got a car announcement. I mean, this is literally a car announcement on Twitter. Uh, because of this four hours of Charlotte race and and Steve Myers trying to raise money and he's gonna and become basically loose lip Myers and so during the race during his <laughs> broadcast he's gonna spill the beans about a few different things based on the donations that have been made so I expect him to talk about rain he, there, he hinted that that would be one of them uh, I don't I don't have any hints about what else he might spill the beans on. What night? Which one is he on the broadcast for? Which time? Is it the Friday night one? I think he's doing the Friday night one, I believe. And he's the one who's teaming up with the Chad Knauss and uh, somebody else. So as far as this race goes, I've been practicing. And I hope I got it right about Friday night. Is that right? (laughs) It's Friday at 6 p.m. Yeah. So I'm going to run it like uh, when I normally run NIS. And uh, 
I've been on do the Cadillac, and I've actually practiced the last two or three nights in a row a little bit. Just getting uh, used to the car. It's very forgiving. It's faster than the other GT cars on the straights, um, and it's uh, not hard. So um, I might try it. You know, is it the Charlotte Roval? Roval, right? Okay. And so. Maybe I'll, I was thinking I would start it and run like half of it until I get bored and then I'll maybe park it or uh, maybe I'll wreck out by then or DQ out. I don't think I'll finish all four hours, um, but may, who knows? Maybe I'll have fun and do it. Maybe I'll take over for you. Well, that's the thing. I mean, do we need to plan for stuff? I mean, that's why I started a poll in our chat to try to figure out, can we plan on people running it? Can Because we, we have to group ourselves together in teams, I think, before we registered to be able to do that. Like you couldn't just get in my car unless we planned it. Well, we could put it in and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Right. Yeah. It's just for fun. Anyways, we need to try to organize that tonight and figure out who can run with who. I think Tony was going to run it. It starts at what? 6 PM Eastern. Yes. No, no yeah. 6 PM Pacific. No, I think it's Eastern. Our, Mike. Our, oh, our is four, it? Yeah. They just posted it uh, in our chat saying 6 PM Eastern. Okay. I can still run it, I think. So, yeah, that looks like fun. I'm going to try it for fun. And uh, I think Bobby was doing a paint for the Cadillac and it, with, with MS on it. So uh, I'll try to run that because I put pizza on the car as a paint job um, for now. But now that Bobby's made a paint, we'll go ahead and run it. Mike slicing through the field. Mike Pepperoni Ellis. <laughs> I did the pepperoni car on the 410 car because I just bought it, and uh, that's the paint I picked, so everyone knows. But I also ran it on that car, too. All right, guys, here's a new event coming up. This is from Podium Esports. Uh, They're going to be holding the Retro 500. It's a tribute to the uh, Winston Cup era of stock car racing and returns to the calendar for 2021 after a one-year hiatus, so they didn't do it last year. But it's utilizing the 87 Monte Carlo and the Ford Thunderbird, and it's going to be at Darlington Raceway. So drivers will compete in qualifier races throughout the month of August in order to earn their place in the 367-lap, 500-mile feature race on the evening of Labor Day. So the winner will earn $500 in prize money and bragging rights that come with victory in one of the virtual stock car racing's ultimate tests of skill. Now, if I'm sure Chris Scales is saying, wait, didn't we just do this? Because we did, right? That's a grueling event. Oh, it's the Firecracker 400. You're talking about the Firecracker. Yeah. This is, this is 367 laps at Darlington. That's a 500 mile at Darlington in the, in the old car, in oh, the cla- classic Maybe you can run a Butte by then. Yeah, maybe. So this is but, Podium, though, and the uh, Firecracker thing was the, the E-Racer G. E-Racer, yeah. It's pretty sick, yep. though. That'll be, a, that'll be an awesome event to try and... T- uh, that car is hard to turn as it is. That, I couldn't imagine racing that track. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of Darlington stripes on that race for 367 laps. That's a tough. That's a that's a that's a pretty serious uh, endeavor there. That would be turning the force feedback on your steering wheel down because that would be a grueling race. <laughs> You're right. You're right. In order to qualify for the event, drivers need to finish in the top ten in one of the four races, which will be run once per week. For the four weeks leading up to the Retro 500, it's Wednesday nights in August. 
These will be 123 lap events and will be broadcast on podium. So even if you miss the top 10, you'll still have some good racing for your money. So there is an entry fee. And so it'll be Wednesday nights in August, uh, the qualifying races. Now I'm trying to figure out here. Does it, do they have, if you don't miss, if you miss one qualifier, do you get to try and do it again and again four times or you only drive it once? I think if you do multiple entry fees, you can, Okay, but I'm not sure. So a lot of these entries I'm guessing are going to be taken up by Coke drivers. Well, I mean, I would expect the same people that ran the Firecracker 400 to run this. It's the same car. It's a different track. They paid an entry fee on the other thing. I mean, they'd probably pay an entry fee again. Uh, so why not? I don't think I'll run it. I'll watch it, though. Good event to follow. Well, Podium, Podium puts on really good events. Um, and, uh, you know, these 87 cars put on good races. You're going to get some big names in this if there's some uh, decent money on the line. So I think this will be a good event. The uh, Firecracker 400 in the 87 cars was was a really good uh, race to watch. So who else uh, puts on good broadcast is Race Spot. So uh, the 2021 BMW Sim GT Cup Season 2 uh, has released its uh, broadcast information, um, and it's going to be uh, – Taking, you know, like Mike said, there on Race Spot um, TV on Saturdays at uh, 1300 GMT for the top split of this season. So that's pretty big announcements. Uh, it's good to have them on board to uh, broadcast that uh, cup again or to this cup this season. Yeah, I mean, if you're in those races, they need your paints. Uh, they need to get, you know, their paint paints loaded and cleared legally and whatnot so uh there's a post about how to submit the paint uh they want you the discord server for the broadcast you know that kind of stuff so uh if you're running that uh series you know get involved in a a really high quality uh, broadcast race spot um is top of the line okay uh next is a announcement by jeff mcconey from the mcconey setup shop he said he partnered with richard childress racing this Sunday, August 1st, with a race with the current Gen Cup cars at uh, Twin Ring Motegi. The event is 100% free to join with the winner getting some setups from Maconi Setup Shop, a swag bag filled with some awesome RCR merchandise, and more importantly, bragging rights. Signups are at the Maconi Setup Shop, currently open. Be sure to head over there and uh, see you on the track. This sounds like, like you, Greg. Yeah. The cup car at a, a road course or a twin ring, I mean. I don't know if I've ever run twin ring in anything but the Indy car. It would be interesting to see, though. I'm yeah, that's to, a I'm different track. check this out and uh, try it. Free to join. Why not? And you get some RCR swag. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. So, Bacconi, uh getting it done. What's your road eye rating, Brian? Well, mine's around 1,200, but I suck at roads, so that's not a big deal. But iRacing uh, asked its members in a tweet, uh, what's your current road I rating?" And the majority fell in between the uh, 1,500 and 3,000 mark, uh, 45%. Um, 34% were 0 to 1,500. Um, 10.5% of the respondents were between 3,000 and 4,500, and 10.2% said that they were over for 4500 so uh that's a that's a lot higher percentage over 4500 than i would have suspected so 
you know, you think it's just everyone's a poll. telling the truth. <laughs> I, I was going to say it's just a poll. It's not a scientific, or a, you don't have to verify that's what your I rating is. But take it for what it is. Now, my my question when I read this is, um, wouldn't I racing have a ability to just find out what percentages of everybody's uh, I ratings are on road and be able to tell you themselves? Who's like? It would be cool that, to compare it. Isn't the guy? Isn't there a guy that does that at each season or when he compares the, the statistics to participants? Yeah, I think there is a... That. Yeah, Rob Crouch does those, but yeah, this is interesting. Uh, my number is 1140, so... See, I'm going for the... like. It'd be interesting. It kind of sucks that we don't have David here, but I'm guessing the reason that some of these guys... And, and it could be 10%, Brian, because... Um, in between the 10 and, and, and the, the, you know, I guess it'd be 20% between 3000 and up. Right. So uh, I'm guessing it probably is closer to that because when you get on the roadside, when you get in the multi-class, like say, you know, I don't want to take anything away from what David's accomplishments are and a lot of those road racing, but when you get in some of those road re- events and you're one or two field in a certain class and you're in the faster class, you're, you're going to improve your I rating all the time right just because it's a lot easier to do it if you don't get any in, into anything it's the multi-class helps the i rating a little bit better uh in in the advancement in it yeah uh i don't know and then people who may have voted who are not even on the service you know you never know with twitter and, and if they did which one would they pick probably the big one <laughs> yeah exactly well and, and, and for me as a i racer i'm trying to like right now my goal is I'm over. Th- I'm, I'm at three thousand. I rating for oval. I want to try and get to two thousand. I'm close to two thousand road, which is kind of a, a a good happy medium for where I like to race at. I rating wise. And another thing, it could be weighted because of uh, the people who actually are following i racing and respond to it are probably the more enthusiastic. Uh, drivers and they probably have better i ratings than people who don't follow it as closely some of it's trolling probably mostly though there's trolling on twitter trolling and i guess now iRacing they're looking for a cheating software engineer so anti-cheat you uh you posted this uh on our our messenger talking about it but uh so they're looking for an anti-cheat software engineer uh from iRacing here so they posted a a job posting um i guess this would be on their main page mike it's in the forums oh it's in the forums too okay um but uh yeah they're just looking for an engineer that will uh as the job description here it says as an anti-cheat engineer you will be responsible for the uh, implementation and maintenance of systems and feature related to the security and integrity integrity of our racing simulation. Uh, you'll be expected to become familiar with the cheat uh, landscape and uh, what exploits people are using and are developing. So it's kind of, it, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, we're, we're, this is probably what we had a, a posting about a month ago for an, a position. Now there's another one. It's kind of interesting to see that uh, iRacing is kind of expanding here. This is awesome because they ha- they're dedicating somebody directly to their entire job is security is anti-cheating as an engineer and they need experience in that f- type of stuff and you, like like you said in the description be familiar with how these things ha- work and 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 so forth so 
they they really need to f- hone in and get the right person for the job. But I I've, I'm this huge kudos to iRacing for putting up the the money to put a person in place on staff just to you know dedicate directly to this. You know, um, now this other one, Brian, this is the one I was really excited about. I mean. I've been asking for this and begging for this for as long as I've known you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, the next uh, job that they're looking to fill is they're looking to hire a what they call a user experience designer, whose uh, whose role would be to make them responsible for ensuring the usability of our next generation user interface. So this is basically um, help us make the UI better type of position sounds like and um yeah we 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 know mike's uh, opinion of the ui and uh so uh maybe maybe this person uh can uh gonna fix it <laughs> help help make it work better for for people like mike um now one of the things i think i told you guys this last week was that um the ui when i go through the ui my uh crew chief doesn't work anymore because it's it's in conflict with the sim commander software so i haven't been using it because of that so i wonder if they would address issues like that as well because i'm not going to use this this ui until until it works well with um, with my crew chief app so it's not even a matter of whether it's easy to navigate or or things like that it's whether it's it's compatible with my uh third-party software no mike has kind of got this kind of heads on with what uh he sees the ui as like if you're gonna have someone take over this job to create this interface a, a better design interface you got to know what's what's missing from the old one too so if mike goes i can't go and find this part when i'm going into it that's what the person who takes over this kind of job needs to know it's they need to they need to know what we used to be able to do and what the new software needs to do. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's it, you're, oh. you, you got to try and know what the problems are created and assess because you, we could all just post and say, this is the problem, but the best person for this type of job is someone. If, if they have this background in designing that also understands what the website used to do. Right. So ideally it's somebody from iRacing who's been in iRacing who understands it. But on the other hand, Greg, there are some great people out there that probably have nothing to do with racing that are UI designers. In fact, I in a previous job life, when I used to do digital signage, I used to work with some of those people. And uh, any of those people could probably come in and apply their, their skill to this and make it better, even though they don't know anything about racing. Um, and I believe that because I've seen how the projects I've worked on with digital signage have come up together. You know, the way they do it is they they define what the user experience should be. And then they, you know, by by really dealing, you know, figuring out what the user needs and kind of build from that. And and the way that this UI beta UI came together, it, it was clunky and, you know, it's, it's been smoothed over time, but it I, I still think it. They, they need a different approach, and this is how they do it. They hire a user experience designer to come in and reevaluate. And uh, I love it. I'm so happy that they're doing this. I think it's a great move. Um, I think it'll help get you know the community buy-in, which is very important, just like Brian was talking about. Um, 
And part of the skills and abilities in the job description here say that it says experience engaging with a devoted ex existing community. And so, um, you know, they're going to have to sell it to us too. Well, Brian, was it you in, the, in our messenger? You, you said you've played uh, Microsoft flight simulator, right? Yeah, I do have that. Yes. Okay. Have you, when you're in there and you start to load up a session in Microsoft white flight simulator, does it not kind of remind you of how, you got all the pull down tabs and stuff that you got in the beta UI. Like it seems like some of these things are starting to become generic UIs that are being used for a lot of these programs. Yeah, I I think there is a lot of similarities in that UI as there is in iRacing. It doesn't mean it's it's as tightly tightly done as it could be. You know, there there are improvements that both of them could definitely make. Uh, but I think you're right. I think it could be just an issue of where you know we're like there's like an acceptable type of uh, blueprint for how UI should be and just different companies kind of just cut and paste sort of how, how it's done. And, um, and maybe they need somebody from outside of that area who knows how to do it, but has uh, different different ideas that might make it a little bit more user-friendly. Yeah. There's like, like I said, in the digital signage world, there's all kinds of uh, people that do that kind of thing. And so they could easily cross over to something like this, I'm sure. Yeah. And and what you were saying, Mike, earlier is that you hope they were, were from iRacing, but maybe it'd be better if they're, they're not. That could be a possibility where they don't have all this uh, pre- you know preconceptions of how how things are they just build it from what um people are com are, are uh, complaining about or saying what what could be better and going from there anyway awesome uh, announcements uh very cool to hear this one is a late breaking story that happened like in the last hour great uh, i mean we've known that they're going to this track right so this is a new track that uh indycar um is doing for Nashville that they've been promoting it for a while. Um, it's the same weekend that as Watkins Glen is going on. Um, but uh, I, I, they were talking about this on uh, the Dale Jr. Download too, um, about how high speed this course might be because of going over the water and, and the bridge and stuff. And I, I just, I, I like the layout. I just don't know how it'll be interesting to see the, the optics of how the whole, um, the race looks from a broadcast standpoint well the bridge is uh that's awesome you know you're going over a body of water or racing it's going to be really high speed over the bridge that's like the middle of the straight um so should be interesting and you know why are we talking about it well i mean when are we getting it on iRacing is the question well here's here's one of the things where um there's a difference between irl and nascar NASCAR would have probably had uh, deliberations with iRacing long before they made this announcement, and might have had a had a working um, working uh, test track of it to uh, to try out before before they even uh, went this step. I don't I don't know if this will be coming to iRacing unless they get more sanctioning bodies to race it. So if it's just IndyCar, are they really going to scan it for IndyCar and do what? they need to do for that whole thing i i don't know it, it could end up being like long beach right where long beach took forever it was maybe one of those things they do in the background over a long period of time i just don't think because they haven't scanned st petersburg which is another track that they do as a street course for indycar 
and it's a one-off that they don't run a lot of different, you know, events on it. They just run IndyCar. So I think if you if you had say NASCAR joined it at some point, but I doubt with that it being in the Nashville area, it's not going to have. They're going to get to the fairgrounds is the is the main goal, not run a road course, but or a street course. I just think I don't think there's enough draw to try and scan this thing, and and I don't think it'll be worth their time to do it. Well. When they did Chicago, I don't think they had the scanners out in the streets of Chicago, right? They probably just used some kind of map system or to, to make that. No, they scanned um, it. They did scan it, okay. They just scanned uh-huh. it and created it. They scanned the area. Okay. Well, then it could have been too intrusive if they could do it around Chicago without too much issue. I don't know. I, I just think it was funny because uh, when you're, they were talking to Joseph Newgard on the Dale Jr. Download about this, you know, I guess the biggest thing that everyone's asking is when the cars go over that bridge, you know, what happens if their two cars get together wheel to wheel, you know, what's the safety crash? But it sounds like they're creating a, a catch fence over top the track so nothing can go over or something like that. So um, I just think it'll be I think it'll be a, a great event to watch. What's that uh, racing movie with Sylvester Stallone and the IndyCar driver driven. ends up in the pond driven. and he can't breathe. Is it either driven or driver? I can't driven, remember. Driven, yeah. I think it's driven, yeah. He wrecked into the water. You. That's one of the good movies, though. That's like that's a Hollywood movie, if I've ever seen one. All right, I've been digging on the forums looking for stuff. And uh, this one was Kevin Scott posted his thoughts for an iRacing series for serious drivers. His thoughts were that there would be a membership separate from the regular platform and put into its own division of racers. The platform would be you pay an amount to be in a more professional racing session, money races that would pay for the platform and only serious racers need apply. Strict rules would be set in place, something like a road to pro league, but for all racers that are serious and records are kept and levels and level ups would take you to the road to pro and contender series key being not racing with racers that just want to wreck or don't care about taking things seriously. So he's basically saying, and, and other people in the, in the thread say this to paraphrase what he says, we want to separate or separate ourselves from the riffraff that's on rye racing that are out there just wrecking and having fun. And there should be a, an additional fee you would pay to, for the people that want to be serious and they would be segregated out and so uh, what do you guys think of this idea? One of my first thoughts was it's, he sounded like he was des- describing a league. Um, it almost sounds like, uh, uh, you know, the same things you would get in a league if you set it up where, um, you know, this is a serious league. We're going to kick people out who aren't serious about it and stuff like that. The only difference is that I think he wants to um, incorporate I rating into the league, basically. He wants to be able to increase I rating and and do those kind of things that you get from um, from your regular races that you don't get in league races. Official racing, but league style, yeah, yeah. Well, well he's only been on the f- I racing for a couple months, and <laughs> and he knows it all. And he's posted twice, so you've already I've already done this once to somebody on uh, I racing here. I'm not going to do it again because I just, you know, it's someone that got wrecked and doesn't like being wrecked and they're posting on their forums, their second post ever. And he is, he is basically describing a league that needs I rating. Well, the league, could yeah. do, you know, you could do everything he said there could be done in a league. There's plenty of leagues that are done 
you know, that way, just not, you know, you got to get so to get people to put money, you got to put money up or get someone involved to pay for those kind of leagues. iRacing's not going to sanction that. That cuts it from, that takes away, that's, that starts separating people in iRating and iRacing. And they already have that with the pro series. And that's something to, that we all strive. There's something to strive to, or you can just race. Yeah. Everyone let them know it probably isn't going to work out. <laughs> now, this next few series is just iRacing doing social media really good this week. I mean, and what they're doing is they're putting up awesome, awesome replays. Uh, Greg, what about the first one? I have yet to get look at this one, but uh, it looks like member uh, Christopher Cook defending a position against uh, Logan Clampett. Uh, at Daytona Road Course for a great finish in the trucks here. Um, and that is a hard track as it is in the trucks because the trucks just don't have the set type of, uh, you know, downforce and, and ability to drive around that track. But it is it, it looks like a fun battle that they have uh, going to the end there. And, well, right uh, at the end, yeah, they, they jab a, a little bit and trade spots basically on the final chicane uh, coming to the checker, uh, much like – uh, Blaney, I think, and somebody else did on the first race at the Roval. Um, but anyway, uh, it was pretty cool. It was him and Chase. Right. So kind of reminiscent of that. Um, and, uh, man, it was pretty neat driving. Yeah. Um, Logan really uh, set him up in the chicane. He, uh, um, Christopher Cook, who was in the lead, he, he took that first right-hander too hard. Um, his car got – his truck got upset over those turtles and Logan Clampett was just able to time it to where he would come out strong out of the exit of the chicane. But, um, that's probably, um, you probably know better than anybody, Greg of us. It's like what it's, what it would be like to be defending against somebody, you know, that has that type of, uh, a resume as a, uh, as a driver. It's well, gotta be nerve wracking, right? I mean, Logan Clampett's, good around almost every track like his he races in almost every discipline on iRacing right so when you're coming down to that that even that last corner to have a shot at it overthinking is like probably your main thing you're probably overthinking every single thing you're doing you know probably i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie i probably blow that corner if, if i'm even in that position at that point but um he does a great job to battle with them there it's just you know experience sometimes will always you know can prevail um, in that situation, it looks like Logan would took it, took it easy. And, uh, Christopher took it a little bit deeper in. Yeah. And um, that might be part of the blow in that lap. Like you said, he didn't really blow it as in like, just completely go off track, but I well, don't think he ran the, the right, right line. You know, I think he, uh, he, he would have been better, um, backing off that first turn just a little bit more and, uh, not giving him that run coming out onto the straightaway. But it was it was a good battle. It was a really well hard fought battle, and yeah, it's just got to be nerve wracking when you're when you're when you're holding off somebody who's who you know has a lot of talent and a lot of experience. Yeah, in any car, I mean, he remember he was in the rally championship. I mean, with the rally car, you know, he's done the the he won the Mazda thing, the big Mazda contest um, in the MX five, and so he's got the skill. I mean, he's a Coke driver. So this next one was on the Instagram page. It was a video of member Damon Hinton on him losing control of his Indy car out of turn four at Indy only to make the catch and his car and save his car from wrecking. And uh, 
yeah, he touched the apron just a hair and it came around, but he corrected it and uh, looks like stomped on the brakes, which really works well uh, to save a wreck in iRacing. I mean, in any car, if you if you just stomp the brakes, uh, and sometimes the brake and the gas at the same time, you can almost correct it. But uh, the other thing I was thinking is, you know, some people would say maybe he should just turn it towards the wall and stay out of the way of the people that are coming through uh, instead of trying to save it here in the middle of the racetrack during green flag. We always say that, like, I always wondered that, um, you know, in races we have that happen a lot where somebody's, you know, gets loose and you, you try and save it. Well, a lot of times the save is always back into the track, right? Like it's, it's, it's inevitable. I mean, other ways of saving this car when you're spinning it is to turn, like I found in iRacing, the physics are kind of different with the cup cars too, where you turn towards the wreck. So like if you're spinning left, you turn the wheel left, it'll sometimes catch it just as easy as turning the same way. And, you know, it'll bring you down to the bottom of the track, but you'll be out of the way. But I mean, I don't fault anybody for saving their car and trying to do it. I mean, he had it a little bit drastic because he was in a tank slapper for what, half a, half a straightaway. And it's really hard to get out of that once you start it. He did. Yeah, he, he wrecked that car five times without crashing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it wasn't just that one spin. He was going up the track, down the track, sideways left, sideways right. So uh, it was pretty impressive that he saved that bad boy. I'm telling you, he's pumping the brakes there to do it. How about this next one, Brian? Side-by-side yeah. finish. Yeah, so we had another really good finish. Um, these were um, these were uh, two, two uh, Formula Renault cars. Uh, driven by Raphael Bonifacio and Michael Fix. And they were going through the chicane side by side. And uh, there was one point where um, those cars are just inches apart. The wheel from the uh, the body of the, the car on the right are just, just inches apart. And uh, they don't touch and they, and they come through clean. Um, kudos for the modeling on that car because, you know, there was no kind of uh, issues with the, uh, with um you know uh where you where you crash into somebody where you don't actually touch them so uh kudos on the on the car model for getting it right no net code right yeah i was gonna say net they code. both had good, good internet connections i'm guessing exactly they saw each other on the track where there actually were yeah good racing and it, it really comes down to you know montreal and you know you want to be on the outside or the inside you know on that final corner and uh Fabulous racing, and, and so kudos to iRacing to put it out there and let people see it. So just a quick announcement here. iRacing announces that the forms uh, provider was down for maintenance just after noon this morning, uh, meaning that the forms were temporary offline. So this is obviously passed, um, and uh, there's no need to worry about it now. But anybody that was wondering what happened, it was just down for a little bit. And now that um, the forms are on a third-party service and hosted by a third-party service um, and provided by a third-party service to iRacing. Um, they're separate from the iRacing services themselves, which I just wanted to point that out. You know, iRacing stayed up in this scenario and the forums went down. And so normally it would be the other way around. Uh, you know, you'd want or the iRacing service would go down and you wouldn't want the forums to go down with it, but that's how it's been forever. You know, for 10, you know, 11 years on iRacing, 
when it went down, the forms went with it. And so this was a good idea to move the forms to another provider for that reason. So the forms can be up if the iRacing service is down so people can communicate about what's going on. Um, but obviously this is the scenario where it works the other way around. Now, does this kind of put them a little bit on the back foot if they don't know that the forms have gone down until like, cause obviously if iRacing would know a little bit with it more of their software, or if it goes down, it's they're they're monitoring it. But if they have this other company monitoring it, does, I wonder if they let iRacing know as soon as it goes down. Well, they did say it was maintenance. I don't know if it was scheduled oh, okay. maintenance, but but they didn't announce it ahead of time. They announced it after the fact. So it made me think that iRacing was caught off guard by it. And uh, Brian, a reminder. Yes. So uh, we talked about this last week, but we want to keep it in the uh, conversation that um, the Knoxville Nationals on iRacing are coming up in the um, middle of August, August 16th through the 21st. So, uh, you know, it's the uh, Sprint Car Championship event at Knoxville in Iowa in the 410 wing sprint cars. So uh, if you're interested in trying to qualify for the championship, uh, the, the – uh, the sessions or super sessions are starting to come up pretty soon. And we have the grid finder iRacers lounge paint festival. Um, still going on guys. This is the contest that we present a uh, paint competition. And basically uh, it must be a paint for iRacing can be any car. You must be uploaded to the grid finder paint shop uh, with three sample images you must post it on social media with iRacers Lounge and GridFinder tag. It must have a GridFinder theme. Uh, primary sponsor with GridFinder, iRacers Lounge as secondary. You can use other sponsors. Uh, contest already started. Uh, deadline is August 18th, uh, midnight Eastern. Actually, that's not right. August 18th when we record the show is the deadline. And the prize is the guest spot on the show. Uh, if you want, and a grid finder sim racing gloves and $50 in iRacing credit from our friends over at GridFinder. Now, how many people have I seen that have actually entered this contest? One. And uh, he's going to win himself some gloves and some 50 bucks if somebody doesn't uh, challenge him. So I'd love to see some listener listeners step up and uh, try this and, and try to get the gloves, guys. Go for it. Okay, and housekeeping, don't forget the Aftermath podcast. Go get it. Uh, don't forget the website, iRacersLounge.com. I haven't seen anybody buy uh, any spotlights from Midwest Simulations, but if you do and you use the iRacers Lounge coupon code, you get 10% off, and I get a little email that says you did it. So uh, do that. On the Performance Motorsports Network, go check them out. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, guys, we're going to start off with the Digital Motorsports. They're presenting their Cubic QS220PL, which is a complete four actuator motion system for platform rigs. Um, and it is selling for just over $8,000. K, $8, um, that's American. So, um, so yeah, it looks like it would work fine with a um, for the profile system, eighty twenty that type of system. It'll mount right on there. It looks like um, got four solid actuators, uh, and it comes complete. You know, you don't need to get anything else with that. Um, so, 
sounds a little expensive to me. You're almost getting the D box prices at that point. But um, right, why not buy D box if you're going to spend that? Right. So seemed a little expensive, but if that's uh, what you're looking for specifically, um, go check it out. A new product. You know, can they sell any of those at that rate? I don't know. I mean, th- their big thing is that's a massive hundred millimeters of travel. Um. Yeah, that's not massive, actually. I don't <laughs> think. I my mine's a hundred. Um, my my actuators are hundred millimeter travel, and they actually had a hundred and thirty available that I didn't get. So even the ones I got had a, a bigger travel ability. If you wanted to upgrade. Okay, so that's digital-motorsports.com. This next one is uh, exciting. I think we have another really nice manufacturer for 8020 rigs. Um, and so Barry Rowland over at the Sim Racing Garage, he's reviewing what's called the all-in-one gaming.com Pro Sim Cockpit. Now, this is the part one video. Um I don't know how many parts, I assume two. Yeah, it's two. But it's just him putting it together, the build, so to speak. Yeah, he said that uh, part one is just the construction of the of the rig and putting everything together. Part two is going to be attaching actual hardware to it. I really like the color of it, the anodized blue, the darker navy blue. It's beautiful. I love that blue. And that's something that Barry really was keen on during the video was the blue. He said he's reviewed a, a lot of 8020 style rigs and he's never seen anything like it is what he said. Yeah, it's, it's a beaut. It it presents itself really nice just as as it is with anything without anything on it. It it, it draws your eyes to it. It's kind of a powder blue, I guess you'd call it. Anodized. Anodized, I guess, yeah. Now, the other thing that's unique about this rig over some other 8020 rigs is the computer thing on the front above the pedals. So kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but it's a huge box, basically, um, where they have a computer. And it's not a traditional desktop box. Um, it, it's almost like taking a desktop computer and lay it on its side is what it looks like. Um, and... It's all built into the rig, so to speak, like this box. It's like perfectly fits into the 8020. Uh, they call it the Road Warrior Gaming PC. I kind of like how this website works for them, too. You, It's basically you can build it the way you want to do it. Like you, you can order it as a full package, or you can just you know pick the parts that you want uh, to build your own. Well, the Core Series is like a entry level, and then they have the Pro Series, which is the one I described where the, the computer box thing is sitting kind of behind the monitor, behind the wheel, above the pedals. And then they have the Elite Series, which they call the commercial solution. And they move the computer to be down behind the pedals, uh, far away from the driver. And I really like that one, too. I mean, I love the idea of incorporating the computer like right into the 8020. I just, I've never seen anything like that, and I, it really uh, draws me in. Um, I don't think I'd want to run that with motion, though. I don't think I want my computer to be banging all around. That's a good point. But you know what I do like I haven't seen before is the way they have that wheel for the pedal mount system where um, it's like a, a circular wheel with all those holes around the perimeter of the wheel of the circle, and it lets you custom 
tilt the pedals in almost any angle you want. It's right. it's really innovative. I've never seen one like that. And you can get just about whatever adjustable angle you want to make out of that system. Okay, so <laughs> when I bought, I clicked on ready to race uh, cockpits, and this includes hardware, computer, everything. Uh, $7,223. That's with monitor, PC, seat, everything. It's pretty expensive for a non-motion rig, don't you think? Well, uh, how, how much is it without all the stuff? That's the question I need to figure it out. Well, so the, if I pick the, the Pro Series... Yeah, the Pro Series without any additional accessories is uh, just under $1,000. So that's not bad. That's reasonable. Yeah, and it's not... You know, it's, doesn't have a monitor mount so if you if you're vr it won't make a difference but if if you need to get a monitor mount a single monitor mount is a 228 a triple is 497 and i like the the mounts that the way that they're they're part of the rig they just extension up above the wheel i love the color um now where are these people from i haven't figured that out yet it's um I was in the comments on Barry's video and there were several people that are like, you know, sign me up. I'm going to buy one of these things. I think it's in uh, Montreal. Is that in Canadian funds then? Let me look here. Yeah. Craig, if you go to um, the contacts, it'll uh, actually shows a map where they're located and it there looks very, it looks very French Canadian to me. <laughs> <laughs> it, so I wonder about shipping to the U S but. Yeah, it's it's right off the Trans Canada Highway. So uh, there you go. Well, uh, so another uh, another one to consider. It's called allinonegaming.com with the number one. Yeah, they're eight, nine, maybe ten hours away from me. Yeah, it's just you're gonna save yourself some shit. It's just outside of Montreal. So I'll be looking for Barry's next video on this, and we'll definitely be watching that. Um, you know. I'm keen on starting over my rig and I want to start with an 80-20 rig. And I was thinking of, I'm just going to get a sim lab one, you know, P1X, but you know, advanced sim racing has theirs. And now this one, I mean, I would call this one just as good as the sim lab. I'm hoping that it's, that's Canadian funds too. I really hope that would be a really good price. Cause that's like $2 for you Americans. If you translate it. <laughs> now, if, um, if, David were here, he could tell you, um, I think the P1X is a little thicker around the base of this unit. Could be, yeah. Um, I think it's a triple wide instead of a double wide like this one is. So maybe the P1X might be a little sturdier. I'm not sure um, if that one extra, if that extra profile makes a huge difference or not. Uh, I'm sure David could help you out with that if you had some questions, Mike, but that's something you might want to consider love to see sim labs do an update to the p1x and maybe provide colors like this so that mm -hmm. was in canadian funds so that's 996 canadian yeah so it's probably like 599 50 american. bucks it's probably like 599 699 american right. there you go how about this next rig uh this is a rig review greg mike do you have a little bit like going through it i've actually opened up all the links on my laptop here to see what because off the uh, Instagram post, so they're basically he's rig reviewing like uh, a wired sim steering wheel and then the hub with uh, the actual 
what are they calling it? A, a MIG? Is this the MIG hub extension? Well, I mean, he's, I mean, this cockpit, it has so much to talk about. I mean, look at how thick it is underneath the, the seat, for one. I mean, he's got four levels of the 80-20 stuff there. And then that's on top of another device, uh, another 80-20 thing that's, like, actually hooked to the D-box on each corner. And then there's this seatbelt tensioner system, which I've never seen before. Um, that's built on 8020. And, and so I find that fascinating that, you know, the 8020, uh, the seatbelt thing is incorporated right into the 8020. Sparco seat with a wraparound around the head. You got, and, and look, what about his night or his, his keyboard table and his mouse and all that stuff on top? You got of a racing rim, rim on, on the underneath it for, for look. It's got a boom uh, with a, a mic on the end of it. Uh, that looks obviously that he brings down pro or uses for streaming. I like the tower in behind. Like that's got a crazy amount of stuff in behind there, running wires wise. Yeah, the computer is like on a tower of eighty twenty kind of thing. Yeah, very interesting look. Uh, if you go to the second page with the scroll with the scroll guys, you'll see the extension that you mentioned, Greg, uh, the steering extension hub. Uh, provided by SimCore, that's the name of the company, and they're the ones who posted these pictures. And what's neat about it is the SimiCube base is like mounted in a, in a spot, but they use this extender to push the wheel out. I don't know six inches or so, and it gets clear of the uh, the monitor and kind of gets the paddles away from the center monitor a little bit. I, I like the idea of an extension on the wheel. I just think get that base away from the monitor a little bit. Well, is that why sometimes people get the, they mount it down further and just have the shaft run up all the way to the wheel is to try and get the monitors where you want them around the rim area. You can kind of adjust it better. Well, I have 27s and my center monitor almost touches the base wheel of the wheel. And if I had bigger monitors, I, it wouldn't work. I mean, cause I want to have my eyes at the center of the screen and, uh, yeah, I think, you know, an extension just to get the base behind the center monitor uh, makes sense. Um, if you guys look at the last picture, um, it shows you where the placement of his four actuator, motion actuators are. Um, it's kind of unusual. I've never seen it where they're not in all four corners of the rig. You know, like the one in the back by where the seat is, behind the seat is in the corner of the rig, but the actuators on the front side are not at the front of the 8020. Um, it's like about a third of the way from the, from the, from the end. Right. Uh, more where the wheelbase is, right? Yeah. It's like more over top of the wheelbase, which would, I guess would increase the uh, amount of angle of the rig because the actuators are closer together. But um, you might might have an issue where if you're leaning forward, you hit the brakes real hard, and it and then the system leans forward. I'm wondering if that uh, profile actually hits the ground in the front where it hangs over. Sorry, I I'm scratched sure, up sure the floor, honey. But, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it doesn't. I'm sure he tested it out, but I just never seen it where the actuators are not right in all four corners. Beautiful rig. Just love it. Uh, Simcore underscore. They are on Instagram. And then, Brian, this one is way over the top. Yeah, this was posted on uh, YouTube from someone from someone who calls himself Mechatronics. And uh, he's got a rig that um, it's, 
it's these giant actuators, motion actuators. Uh, they've got to be probably four foot long, without the even with the without the even piston. So, and they're triangular shapes. Yeah, What's the throw? triangular shaped. He's he's sitting in a chair that's probably about four feet off the ground, so he's way up in the air, um, and it makes some crazy crazy amount of movement. Um, when he's testing this, you know, it rocks backwards. His feet are flying up in the air like he, he needs seatbelts. He definitely needs seatbelts in this thing because he's going to fly out of this thing if he's not careful. And uh, I mean, it almost looks like something that come from like a superhero movie like this guy's going to be a you know use this thing to climb buildings or something it's 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 very unusual um don't know how practical it would be in racing and uh it's just it's too much motion if you ask me but it's pretty it's really interesting to see it looks like a spider uh kind of i mean with big spider legs and i remember years ago there was a different cockpit that resembled this um, I don't think it was this one, but um, yeah, I mean the the throw on these, like I, I was guessing, six hundred mm, you know, when a traditional one is a hundred, you know, uh, yeah. this this thing is crazy. I mean, it, it's it's a four foot throw. It's too much. When you have to start yeah, measuring it in feet as your throw, it, it starts <laughs> exactly. getting a little different, right? Exactly. And, and this guy's in a garage, you know, he's got it set up in the middle of a garage and. Yeah. I don't know if that's a garage. It's more like a bunker if you look Maybe. at the way it's designed. Down in the basement. Yeah, you're right. He, he's a. I think he's a superhero, uh, like a supervillain in training. He's trying to test out his new uh, mechanism to climb the walls and fight Spider-Man. Yeah. Suit on. He, exactly. He's going to be fighting Spider-Man before soon. Too long. Everything. Uh, Every time I see these things, the way they move, it kind of reminds me of uh, that movie with uh, uh, Tom or Tom Cruise with uh, War of the Worlds or whatever it is. With the way oh, they yeah. moved, the tripods. Right, tripods walking thing. All right, let's get into some serious hardware. And <clears throat> Hybrid Racing Simulations presents the HRS SVGT3 wheel. It's based on the OMP310 ALU GT wheel rim. They worked directly with Red Bull driver Shane Van Gisbergen to bring this new wheel to life. These wheels will be limited to 100 pieces only, all of which will come with a personalized signed authentication certificate from Shane. So Shane Van Gisbergen is a V8 supercar driver, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I've run with him in NIS, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple years ago it was. This has to be one of my new favorite wheels just to look at. Like, it is gorgeous. This looks like a real racing wheel, not a sim racing wheel. Like, just to even have the, like, I know all these companies are coming out with dashes and everything, but the dash on this thing with all the LED lights, and then it's got the, the buttons, the twist, the twisted toggles and all of that. Like, it just seems like it's very, very cluttered with buttons, but it's, it's well done, if that makes sense. Yeah, they yeah have it's a all website. integrated. Yeah, integrated very nicely. It's it's just a beautiful looking piece of equipment. It's HRS. Well, it's hrsims.com. Is is there a price for these? Well, that's what I went there to look. I wasn't was able to find one when I was yeah, checking things out. So it's too expensive it. if there's no price. 
I mean, some of their other wheels are 1500, 1600, but these are in Australian. So this uh, is an Australian company. Beautiful wheel, though. I mean, if you want quality, I mean, wow. It's amazing what we used to go, what we, we came from, you know, 10, 15 years ago to what the options are now, where you can almost bring a car, a wheel right out of your car and put it on your sim. So we talked about, I think it was a BMW wheel and a Bentley wheel, you know, that are real high end. I mean, this competes with that big time. I think it looks so, um, gives more options than those wheels. On the HR Sims website, it kind of has it as a sneak peek. So maybe it just hasn't been released yet. So to find out what the price is going to be. And with a limited run of only 100 wheels, you know, that's going to drive price too, you know. So that integrated screen is a touch screen, by the way. You wow. can, uh, yeah, you can actually touch too. it. You know, I was going to say, I wonder what this makes the second, mar- the secondary market if people want to get it. If, you know, someone buys it and then tries to sell it. Well, Australia is far away. I don't know if everyone's going to get caught up in this one, but it is pretty. It's probably a good thing they're only making 100 of them, right? I mean, there's so many really good wheels. I mean, Cube Controls and that Gomez wheel industry guy who did the Tony Kanon wheel. I mean, they are some really kick-butt wheels out there. So so who wants to go viral? It's a neat name, kind of a neat way of spelling it. So I was just going through this. So the, the viral compound is what they're kind of calling it. I guess, it, is, it show, is it showing that it's in Dayton, Ohio here, if I'm correct there? Yeah, because our teammate, Steve Lou Allen, was like, this is like 40 minutes away from me. I, I could go there. And so he was kind of talking about checking it out. So they've got a lot of things. So you can customize building a seat, uh, PC. There's gaming accessories, PC components. There's some merch. I mean, they even offer uh, partnerships and affiliation type things to, to do it. But they also have, if I was reading correctly, they have an eSports arena. So, yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, they have, they have an eSports arena and they have a whole uh, uh, racing uh, sim setup so uh, you can actually rent time in the racing sim check it out but i think their big thing is building computers right that's kind of the way i see the, the website yeah they're pre-made ready to go uh builds to whatever your specifications and um they're high end and, and low end there's some pretty good price ranges there for systems they have some they definitely have different names and stuff for each type of system that they create and it's viral with a Y, and their grand opening was July 24th. So it's a brand new uh, place. I feel like Mike would buy the snow all white. Yeah, I like that coat. You know, I like that look for sure. Or the snow white mini. And these computers aren't cheap. I mean, th- this one, the snow white XL, $3,200. Problem, like, uh, you know, it's hard to get like graphics cards and stuff like that. So I'm guessing some of these things are out of price, are they a crazy price because they're trying to get these things components right, and they're able to do it. So when you click on it, you have to pick the GPU. They're all grayed out except the 3070 Ti. But yeah, pretty cool uh, to have another source for computers. What about shoes, Brian? <clears throat> well, looks like Puma, uh, the shoe man. Manufacturing, they're actually offering something they call their active gaming sock. That that's uh, it's not exactly a shoe and it's not exactly a sock, but um, it looks like it's very minimalistic. Um, um, and I th- it might work really well as a driving shoe. It's got the padded heel on it. 
Um, you know, I, I, uh, I like to race in socks because I get a really good feel for the pedals. Um, the sh with the shoes, you know, I don't quite get as good a feel. So I like racing in socks, but you know, if you don't want to just use your regular old, uh, house socks, this thing might be a cool, cool replacement for it. Um, at uh, GameStop, it, they were selling at $100, but actually happened to look it up on Amazon, and they're $75 on Amazon to buy. So wow, pretty expensive a for lot. a sock sock, but it, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's though. more priced it's, as a shoe. It's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, and it, it's a pretty interesting design because it kind of. Do we all need a shoe to run what we're doing? No, because you know a racing shoe is more for you know stiffness and stuff and, you know some of the pedals and stuff you need you need the stiff toe area um but you know racing inside in a racing shoe it's very hot to run a, a racing shoe I, i've noticed running a racing shoe um so like having a sock with airflow might be a better option to this and it's it's basically like you said brian priced in the shoe category um when it is a sock but to have that extra having a a, a harder bottom for than racing with your feet but you can also have them you know a little bit more control with your toes um might not be a bad thing when it comes to sim racing because moving your toes just a little bit helps you with braking and things like that i like it i mean i race socks and if i forget and leave my shoes on i pretty much suck um to me i don't know if i put these on i feel like i would be wearing shoes i mean it, i think it would be too stiff away from a traditional sock i mean the bottom of it is is a, a sole it doesn't it's not a thick one but it goes you know from top all the way you know from toe to heel um i don't know i think you would lose the feel just a little bit i i honestly don't think it would i think it would be that right inter like, you know people that run socks like it because of control right i think this would be the in between before you go to the the you know the shoe i mean i get i break better in the shoe than i do with my in a bare foot or a sock um just something i've got used to but the thing that i problem that i have with the shoe is is the grip you get back on the you know i run a fanatec inverted so the plate when you're trying to slow your slide your heel your foot back you know say you know when you're letting off the throttle or or the brake sometimes it's hard to get that to get off the metal and, and not grip. So, um, but it also wears these, you know, in socks, you don't wear the rubber soles off. Like I, I am, I have wear on the bottom of my shoe for the brake part, um, that rubs off and creates little, little rubber marbles on the actual thing too. So, all right, next up a Spanish company, um, called Mecca pit is offering a aluminum VR cockpit between 390 to 465 euros. Uh, their website is uvercockpits.es. <laughs> and uh, it's an interesting design. I mean, <clears throat> the price is comparable to what I see. It's not 80-20. It's more like stuff you'd be able to shelf with kind of metal. It's those. It's that stuff you used to play with with as kids, where you use the nuts and bolts to create like mech things. Yeah. Erector, Erector sets. That's what it reminds me of. But looking at this picture, it doesn't kind of do it just. It kind of looks like this guy was shoved into this thing and built it. They built it around <laughs> him. He doesn't look comfortable. I don't know. I don't know if it's just me, but looking at it, he does not look comfortable. 
Yeah, it doesn't look exactly right. Like the butt is too low or something. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely trying to achieve the formula style seating situation there. Um, but it has the opportunity to go down to a little lower pedal style. Right. The other thing is if you scroll down and you look at it without the hardware on it, the wheel deck is just scary thin, scary, scary sheet metal thin look to it. And it just, ugh, I don't, I, I'm just like, run away, run away. I don't know. I have a piece of metal on my uh, Obutto cockpit for the uh, wheel deck. And it it's a, it's kind of got that same look. Um, and I have flex. I mean, I have flex up and down on the wheel. Um, not left to right, but up and down there is definitely flex. And I hate that. Uh, and that's why I want to start over. But Yeah, I would consider this a mid to entry level type of rig. You know, it's not, I don't think it's going to support like real heavy duty hardware. I don't know if a, a strong direct drive wheel is going to work real well on it either. Okay, Greg's donned his helmet for this one. If I could wear my headset, <laughs> I would have put it in. <laughs> yeah, we can't hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, I laughed as soon as I seriously saw this video because all I thought was you need Brian's setup to get this to even work because the heat that you would be generating in a helmet without any airflow would be ridiculous. <laughs> it would be <laughs> so hot running a helmet in a house. Um, but anyways, it's it's kind of an interesting system. So it's like a, what's the, it was it's 80, 40 or whatever, whatever the smaller um, system is, but it's on a pulley system that is attached to his helmet. And it's, it's basically using simulating forces uh, pulling on each side of his head as he goes around corners. I, I'm not sure what sim he's driving there, but man, is it funny to watch what it, like, it's like, it was using like fishing line to pull on his helmet. So I, it almost doesn't even look like a helmet. It, it's hard to tell. It looks like a bucket on his head more than anything. But I mean, like where the Hans device would hook, where there's little hooks on the, where your ears would be. He's just got a string, you know, hooked to each side. And it, it's like, like Greg said, a pulley system. It's pulling his head left to right. And now I'm pretty sure this might be that Frex system that we saw um, earlier in the year. They were uh, building this and somebody was trying it on YouTube. And um, maybe that's what this is. I don't know. Uh, but the driver is none other than Philippe Nasser, who is a uh, rally driver, I believe. He does the uh, Dakar. 1000 thing now what th does this have like like the direct drive wheels have where it has a kill switch just in case it all of a sudden goes malfunction and starts pulling you like around the round one side <laughs> i would hope so because that's like we were talking about that with the seat belts too like if they all of a sudden malfunction what do they do like do they just all of a sudden start cranking on you or I just I can just see this where also one time something happens and a computer something shuts down and it tells it to pull all the way on one side or something you get yanked out of your seat. Well, just snap your neck, just you know, snap your neck, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I mean the this the safety of this device is questionable. That's for sure. You know, to have a contraption hooked to your head that's hooked to a motor, you know, that can pull your you know your head one to one side or the other. Yeah, I mean, you got to have a little trust here in the, the design, I bet. I'll wait till uh, Brian or Steve Thompson buy it <laughs> to test it out. 
Okay, with that, we're going to results. And it's an off week at NASCAR due to the Olympics. Um, so we don't have a lot of results, but let's go through them. All right. Uh, what do we have first? I have a fixed. Um, so I ran that last night. Somebody told me it was iRacing Super Speedway. So I decided to uh, give it my best and uh, I actually wrecked out. Um, I had a good run going though. I was up to second at one point. I was in the top five. I worked my way up there. Uh, but I screwed up uh, near the end and I floated up and I tried to come back down and the guy was already there and I went spinning off his nose. Um, and then I was damaged and near the back of the field on a final restart, I actually spun my tires and the car drifted up and I clipped somebody else and caused another wreck. And so I felt really stupid uh, and I apologized to everybody who was in that race. Um, I actually called out over the radio. Um, I'm sorry. And uh, I rarely have to do that. But, uh, but yeah, that's what happened. Greg, you have a P2 here for what? I don't know. I haven't raced anything. Oh, that's a leftover. That's leftover. All right. And then we have a C-Fix Tyler P1. Uh, he also raced at the iRacing Super Speedway in the Ganders with McCubbin calling the moves. Oh, you were spotting. Really fun race and working yeah. as a team. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. I was spotting them because uh, we were going to do some fun racing afterwards and I didn't get get in time to start with him so yeah we were uh, he was doing really well um he made a he made a good move to get to the front with about uh, about six or seven laps to go um and i was doing the things that crew chief and other things can't do they can't tell you where runs are coming from you know where which lane to run they can tell you high and low but they can't say hey this line's moving this line's not stay where you are or block high or this guy tries to take you low those kind of things that you just can't get from uh from a crew chief app or any of the other uh spotter apps really so uh we worked together on that and uh he wound up taking home the win nice nice win uh i had the 410 dirt car because we ran the uh, friday event uh, last Friday, so I ran hosted at Lanier Dirt in the 410, and that was fun. I uh, don't know how I finished. I ran the 360 at some other dirt track that was on hosted. Uh, some other hosted events this week I ran was IndyCar at Michigan. Uh, I think I got wrecked out of that one. And then I always forget this one, and it's super fun. And I think that we really need Tony Rochette to uh, host up an event with the Pro Mazda at dirt bristol with the track very worn and it works you would think that you know an open wheel car on dirt doesn't work it d works trust me uh it has grip uh with when the track's very worn and with the downforce uh it actually works and a super amount of fun i actually got wrecked and it was so fun i got back out there after repairs and and ran the rest of the uh, of the event Let's talk about our league race, Fast Track Sim Racing League. Greg, you were wrecked. I wrecked myself. I I made the stupid call. Like I went, me and Tyler on that, we went uh, the longest on that run. And I just gave it too much coming down pit road. And I got a penalty. So I was coming back out. And for some reason, as soon as I shifted to fourth, coming up on out of turn two or one there, sorry, at Pocono. Uh, it just got sideways. I went down into the wall and uh, 
Yeah, so I damaged it. I was hoping for a caution, and I guess as soon as I quit it out, that's when the caution came. Um, but uh, I was just frustrated with myself and just wanted to quit for the for the night. Was uh, was a competitive was competitive for the win for the long the long run, uh, possibly, but uh, never got a chance to see it. Yeah, and then Steve uh, was with us. He got wrecked out. Bobby was with us. He wrecked out. Um, now. Uh, and then David, we don't have his results here, but he was in a good spot, and he really didn't need that that la that caution he, to come he, out. He finished behind you, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, we raced. Yeah, we raced. Uh, yeah, he was third, I was second, but he, I think he would have been better off if there had been no caution, uh, because basically uh, he was running him down on those long runs. But Alan would, you know, break out and get a big lead on us you know at the early part of the run but as the end of the run came you know david was catching him and was going to pass him easily um but then we had a caution to kind of reset everything so david was mad as could be uh, because of that and uh as far as my race uh i got a p2 um and i had topped off when there was a quick caution early so i was able to run real hard from 17th up to 9th and then after the green flag stops, I, uh, I was sixth uh, when the caution did come out. I got my tires and got up to second there. Had a good race with David at the end. Uh, we weren't going to be able to catch Allen. If I had more laps, we might have. But um, we were side by side for maybe a lap and a half, me and David. Uh, and it's it's nice to race a teammate and that you respect. And, and we know we're not going to wreck each other. And give each other enough room and it was fun it was a good side-by-side -side race i came out on the top of that and was pretty proud of that to be able to beat him because he's really good uh joe ran with us as well joe owen he got a p9 he was caught in that first caution uh was dead last at one point about to be lapped and actually had a nice recovery he was saved by that caution actually did they announce where they're racing next week or next week because we're off still um, I haven't heard. Okay, uh, what else do we got here? OBRL, Brian? Yeah, so uh, Monday night was the ARCA series for OBRL at Talladega. Um, it was a pretty clean race. Uh, matter of fact, it was a 60-lap race. I was uh, started off pretty good. I had a little trouble on the first pit stop because um, I was coming, going, trying to get into my pit as a car was pulling out, and I kind of swerved to avoid them, and then... Uh, uh, didn't get lined up in my pit stop but luckily uh, when I came back out I didn't fall too far off to where I couldn't get with a group of other cars even though we were lap, uh, less than a lap down you know we were about three quarters of a lap down um, we weren't going to get lapped because we were fast enough in that little group well a late caution came out a lot of cars were involved and then on the restart which was basically a greenway checker I was in like seventh place um, and uh with one to go i got into a good position coming off turn one and two um going into turn three i was right behind the i was in second place on the outside line i felt like i was in a pretty good position and uh got into turn four and uh, my car started sputtering i ran out of gas on turn Man. four and uh, kind of had to dip out. Uh, still wound up getting a P6 because I think there was some carnage behind us on the last lap. But uh, man, I, I felt like I was in a decent position. You know, if things happened to break right, I might have been able to pull off the win. But uh, man, 
I knew I was going to be close on fuel because it was a 60 lap race and, and uh, fuel lasted just over 30. And then we had the green weight checker, which extended it a bit and uh, just just didn't quite have enough fuel to make it to the end. But it was a lot it, of fun. This oh, goes to show you just, to save the whole run. Yeah, well, when after that pit stop incident, um, we were in a group of four or five cars, like I said, single file, and I was on the point. So I was using up gas quicker than everybody else. And I think that's what did me in. You know, I was thinking about dropping back to the back of that pack. But then if that caution comes out, which it did, you know, I'm four or five positions further back. So I just decided to stay out in the front of that group and uh, just didn't leave me with enough fuel. Okay. And then we had the OBRL uh, truck series, the Aftermath podcast truck series race at Chicagoland. Congratulations, Dwayne MacArthur, first, Steve Thompson, second, Josh Robinson, third, and then Brian, you ran this P9. Yeah, P9. Uh, it was a big field, 42 cars in that field. Um, 100 lapper at Chicagoland, 42 cars, zero cautions. So I guess we weren't racing very hard. But. Um, <laughs> But it was actually a, it was actually some good clean racing. Um, I it was tough to pass, um, just because it was just just running the low line with a car on the outside just just slowed both of you up, and it was hard to get by even if you were a faster car in front. So um, I, I uh, qualified in eleventh, but you know I just as I was battling in the middle of the pack in my area, the leaders were not battling and they were just pulling away from us so they kind of ran away from our group but um there were some really interesting pit strategies now this this series they ran two sets of tires you could use so we only had two sets of tires a hundred lap race um and you could go with our fuel cells you could go about 36 laps maybe 35 laps so um you're basically running 33 laps, getting fuel and tires, 33 laps, getting fuel and tires to the end. But um, some other cars decided to try to make it a, a three-stop race, um, which kind of put it, put it in a position where, you know, sometimes cars were a lot faster than others with new, new tires. And uh, it was kind of really interesting like that. And then some guys made a two-stop race, but saved a set of tires in case there was a late caution they could get new tires and everybody else was still on their, you know, 30 lap tires. And and they were slow because they were on such old tires, but you know, they were hoping that uh, a, a late caution would come out. But so it was really interesting. A lot of different strategies going on. Um, clean race again. Um, it, it was, a, it was just a lot of fun. Not racing hard enough. <laughs> you need that late caution, man. But with All 42 right, so drivers, you'd think that there, there might be one, you know? I'm just trying to give content for the aftermath show. <laughs> uh, go, Chris Gales, go. You okay. weren't racing hard enough. Final thoughts, Brian McCubbin. What do you got? Uh, just a really fun week racing with their BRL. Um, I know we didn't really talk about it because it was kind of a, just a odd event what we did, la and it was a fun event that we did last Friday with the four uh, tens. So it was it was at least it was fun to have people come out and race with us, um, try something different. It was it was pretty fun, and um, other than that, um, I got a GC. It just came in today, so I'm gonna unbox it after the show's over. What? Oh, now <laughs> I'm jealous. Okay, good luck with that. 
Uh, yeah, the Friday event, I kind of, you know, we, we didn't talk too much about that, but we ran Radicals. Uh, where did we run Radicals? Charlotte? Yeah, Charlotte. We, yeah, Charlotte. That We did that as well. And that was a lot of fun, too. Yeah, I don't think I've ever raced that car, and I was really impressed with it. You know, it's, it's a very peppy, peppy, quick car. Um, and at Charlotte, it was like plate racing, basically. But it was still a lot of fun. The cars... Uh, could touch each other without getting too far upset and uh yeah it was it was a, it was a neat, neat experience for that i don't think yeah, you can ever go wrong without the, the radicals the radicals is probably one of the fun race road racing or oval oval racing kind of type of cars and then the dirt race we did with the 410 uh we didn't reset the track and the track was really run off uh, at the end and really hard to drive and but overall it was a good event we had a good turnout GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder the home of online sim racing leagues all right greg hectus final thoughts just wondering where everybody is on their show everybody's on summer break or something no uh david i know he had a uh, event to go to and last week i couldn't make it home from work in time but uh the off weeks have not been uh, a lot of running here but uh hopefully this weekend i can get some gt racing in but if not then uh We'll go on. I we did run. I did. I, we did forget to uh, put in the notes here too, Mike. I just thought of it. We did finish thirteenth uh, in the twenty four hours of spa um, as a team. There was six of us. Um, I wasn't. Uh, I was only in it for about two two hours. Uh, just ran my laps to get it done and consistently kept it clean um, and uh, didn't do any damage to it. And uh, the guys did a great job. I think there was like forty plus entries and we finished 13th so not too bad middle split um guys grand grand great and we had damage so we were a little bit slower so uh now david binned it right no uh we got wrecked by a lap car i want to say a couple hours in he was trying to unlap himself and he dive bombed into a corner and yeah that was enough damage where it was like i think it was a couple a couple minutes worth of damage and uh it slowed us down uh but not too much uh once it got fixed and all the guys that uh, raced it did a great job. We had minimal incidents after that and uh, we were able to bring it home uh, for a full 24 hour race for, for once this year. Well, besides the Daytona Rolex one that we did early in the year. All right. Well done. Uh, my final thoughts, um, man, the Olympics, the off weeks uh, kind of throwing my schedule off my wife is like why aren't you racing you know, normally you'd be racing right now and i'm like the olympics and and she looks at me like i'm crazy but she doesn't understand you know how everything ties together i'm like well it's because nascar is on nbc and nbc has the olympics and they made nascar not have races and that means we don't have races because we do everything nascar does and yeah so I'm excited for us to get back on track next week and back to normal. And uh, Are you excited? It is a Oh, course. crap. It's Watkins Glen. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Man, 
man, the road courses are a thorn in my side this year. I mean, why are there so many road courses, NASCAR? Well, we have three left. Watkins Glen, possibly Indy, and then the Roval. I remember when NASCAR used to have two road courses a year. Sonoma and Watkins Glen, and that's it. Yeah, so you mean like three years ago? I know. And now how many? There's eight or something? It's crazy. Six. Well, didn't they do Daytona Road that made it seven? Well, yeah, but that was the clash. It's not an actual sanctioned event, right? Uh, okay. Well, back to normal next week. Um, but it's... <laughs> Yeah, it's been fun this week, kind of doing some hosted events, uh, trying some dirt. I'm going to do the four hours of Charlotte. Uh, maybe Greg and I will split time in the caddy. I don't know. We need to figure that out. Or maybe I'll just run half of it. Maybe I'll run all of it. I don't know. Um, but I'm not really a road guy, but that car is really forgiving, uh, easy to drive. It looks like it's the fastest car out of the lot. So uh, we're going to give it a shot. So. With that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.